Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Amen. You may be seated. In the name of Jesus, Amen. Dear saints of God, Advent tells a story. Really, uh, the, the Gospels in the season of Advent tell a story. But we miss it. At least I'm guilty of this. I, I tend to think of each Sunday as standing on its own. Each Sunday is a bit of a surprise. Each Sunday of the church year has its own little proprium or something like this. And it's completely disconnected from the last Sunday and the next Sunday. But, but we have, especially in these very distinct seasons like Advent and Christmas and Epiphany and Lent, we, we have an unfolding of the readings. They, they, there's a, a, a texture to them, a story to them, a development to them. And in Advent, the story or the theme, the development is this, the coming of Jesus. He comes continually to us in His humble instruments, the means of grace, His Word and sacrament. That's the first Sunday in Advent. And then there's His coming again in glory to judge the quick and the dead, to usher in the resurrection and the new creation. That's Advent 2 last week. And then there is that our Lord Jesus has, has come already as He was promised by the prophets, that He was born in Bethlehem, that He, he took on our, our own flesh and blood to become our brother and our Savior. This is what we celebrate in Christmas, and this is what the last two Sundays of Advent, starting today and continuing next week, preach to us. The, the last two Sundays in Advent are preparing us for this, for the celebration of our Lord's, the feast of our Lord's Jesus, Lord Jesus' first coming. His coming in our flesh. His coming in Bethlehem. His coming that the angels announced. His, his coming that we will sing on Christmas. And what better way to hear of that coming than to hear the preaching of John the Baptist? That, after all, was John the Baptist's vocation. It was his calling. He was supposed to prepare the way for Jesus. To, to make the road flat. To get everyone ready for Jesus to show up. Now, uh, John, then, is the major character of Advent. And we haven't heard him in the readings the last couple of weeks, but we heard it in the proper uh, preface for Advent. We heard it in the Advent themes. And in fact, the last couple of Sundays have been, have been pushing us towards this, this expectation of John the Baptist. They've been prepping us to hear, to hear his preaching. And even more, just even when we come into church today and we see the decorations all set up like they are today. And we've, and we've lit the pink candle. Or it's officially, by the way, it's rose colored. I just don't know the difference between rose and pink. But we, so we've lit the pink candle and we have the Sunday, Gaudate Sunday, Rejoice Sunday. And we've sung three hymns already about John the Baptist. So we're ready for his preaching, right? We're, we're, we're all prepped for, for John to come. So we're sitting there saying, uh, preacher, give me John the Baptist. That's what you're supposed to be thinking. See, I'm, I'm putting the thought in your mind to prep you and then I'm going to contrast it with the text and then That'll be the thrust of the sermon, but you're, that's a secret. You're not supposed to know that. Think this. Give me, give me John the Baptist preacher. Give me John with locusts hanging out of his mouth, fearlessly standing up to the Pharisees and the religious rulers, calling them to repentance. Give me John the Baptist standing firm in the wilderness, calling out the elite as prideful and hypocrites. Show me John standing there against the most important people of society, calling them a bunch of baby snakes in a hole, brood of vipers. Remember? 
Show me John standing on the River Jordan, baptizing the people for repentance and forgiveness. Show me John standing there in the water as he baptized the Lord Jesus and the heavens opening up and the Holy Spirit descending like a dove on our Lord and the voice from, from heaven booming out, this is my beloved Son with whom I'm well pleased. Show me that John. Show me John the Baptist in his finest moment, the day after he baptized our Lord Jesus, preaching the finest sermon ever to leave the lips of a man as he pointed to Jesus and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Or tell me about John, who with the courage and gumption of one of the prophets of old stood up to Herod, the governor, and preached against his adultery and for it was thrown into jail and eventually had his head cut off. Show me that, John. It is incredible to me, after all of this build-up, getting ready for the preaching of John, after all of the fantastic exploits of this man, after all of his courageous preaching of both law and gospel, that when he finally breaks into the scene in Advent, he's not there in his pulpit at the Jordan River, preaching and baptizing, but instead we find him today in jail, awaiting execution and questioning his own preaching questioning if what he preached was right. Can you imagine it? What do we make of this? Well, let's look at the text. Now, when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word to his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come? Or shall we look for another? Are you troubled by this? Are you troubled by the fact that John has questions? That John even has doubts about Jesus? Does it bother you? When we look at the scriptures, we find that almost all of the prophets, from Moses to Elijah to Jeremiah to Isaiah, all of them had their doubts and their questions. This does not mean, this does not mean that it's okay to doubt, that it's acceptable to doubt, that the Lord Jesus doesn't see doubt as sin, no, but it does mean that we do doubt. The devil and the world and our sinful flesh are constantly tempting us to doubt, to doubt God's word, to doubt the word of Christ, to doubt his gospel and our forgiveness. Perhaps there's some comfort for us in this text, in the fact that if even John, the greatest of all the prophets, doubted, then maybe my doubts don't mean that the Lord has rejected me. But if we take some comfort in this, in John's doubting, then we must certainly look at what John does. And this is the point. For John doesn't go to the Pharisees to see if his doubts were right and Jesus isn't who he said he was. He doesn't go to the scribes. He doesn't go to the temple. He goes straight to Jesus. Well, he sends his disciples to Jesus to get his questions answered by him, to replace his doubt with faith. This, dear saints, is, 
is the wonderful and blessed example that the text gives us to follow. For we all have questions, and we all have doubts, and we all have fears, and when we do, we, like John the Baptist, turn to Jesus. John teaches us to pray, Jesus, I'm afraid. Jesus, I have questions. Jesus, I believe. Help my unbelief. And Jesus, how wonderful, strengthens the faith of John by, by preaching to him. Jesus answered the disciples, Go and tell John what you hear and see. Verse 5, The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news preached to them. Blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Jesus points John through his disciples to his deeds, to his miracles. But these miracles of Jesus are, are, are no ordinary miracles. They are the precise miracles promised by the prophets in the Old Testament. These are the miracles that Isaiah and Jeremiah and Malachi all said that the Messiah would accomplish and would perform. So when Jesus points John to the miracles that he performed, he is pointing him to the Scriptures for the strengthening of his faith. For remember, faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. The Lord Jesus with this sermon is strengthening the faith of John the Baptist by His Word. And then... As these disciples are leaving, he does the same thing with the crowds that are left behind. The text continues, as the disciples of John went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothes? Behold, those who wear soft clothings are in king's houses. But what then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Malachi 3.1, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. Jesus is here quoting the Scriptures again for the strengthening of their faith. It looks like Jesus is preaching about John, but not really. For Jesus is saying, the one that you were looking for, the one who was going to come before the Messiah and prepare his way, that's John. And if we know who John is, then we know who Jesus is. Now, this is really stunning. Our Lord Jesus does not go to John in prison and show him a miracle so that he'll believe but rather he sends his disciples with his word. Jesus does not perform a miracle in front of the crowds. Oh, he could have, and he did many times, but he doesn't perform a miracle in front of them to prove who he is. No, he, he does the same thing. He quotes the scripture, and the, thing, and the same thing here happens over and over again in the Gospels. R remember, for example, when our Lord Jesus was walking with his disciples on the road to Emmaus. He had been dead 
and buried for three days, resurrected, and now it's Easter afternoon, and there's two disciples that have left Jerusalem. They heard that the tomb was empty, and the text said they had believed that Jesus was the one, but they had lost their hope. They had lost their faith. And along they, uh, they're going along the road to Emmaus, and Jesus comes and he walks with them. And instead of just saying to restore their faith and hope, hey guys, it's me. Instead of doing this, he hides himself from them so that they don't even recognize him. And he walks along with them all the way to Emmaus, showing them the scriptures, showing them Moses and all the prophets and teaching them all the things that the Messiah had to suffer before he entered into his glory. Why? Why, why didn't Jesus just show them that he was, that he was resurrected? Why didn't Jesus just go to the, to John the Baptist and give a miracle? Why doesn't he just say to the crowd, look, it's me and I can, you know, do something here that's miraculous that only God can do? Why does he do this? The reason, dear saints, is this. God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have ordained it that faith comes not through seeing, but through hearing, and hearing the Lord's word. Thousands upon thousands of people saw Jesus perform his miracles, but very few believed him and followed him. But the blessing is for those who believe and yet have not seen. And that is you. And that is me. And here's where our real comfort is. We have the Lord's word. We have the words of the Lord's prophets and his apostles. So that in the midst of all of our troubles, in the midst of all of our doubts, in the midst of all of our questions, in the midst of all of our fears, the Lord's word is for you. And by hearing it, you cast away doubt and the Holy Spirit gives you faith. Faith to believe that Jesus is who he said he is, God in the flesh. And faith to believe that Jesus has done what he said he would, namely that he has redeemed you from sin and death and won for you salvation and everlasting life. God's word has that comfort for John the Baptist, for the crowds gathered at Jesus that day, and for us and the church throughout all ages, God's Word has the comfort that your sins are forgiven. May this be your joy and your peace forever and ever. Amen. And now may the peace of God which passes all understanding. Guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.